Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are going to continue our study of this beautiful book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah. We are about to study chapter 6. We just completed chapter 5, which was one of the most remarkably beautiful chapters that we've studied together. Um, I would like to point out something about that occurred to me after studying chapter 5 before we go on to study chapter 6. If you recall, Nehemiah, um, way back in the beginning of this book, in chapter 1, Nehemiah had to approach uh, who was the man who was then the most powerful leader uh, of the time, and that was the king Art- Artaxerxes, or Artaxasta. And... Um, if you remember, Nehemiah had to approach him to ask, simply to ask permission to go to Jerusalem and rebuild uh, and strengthen uh, the um, community, the Judean community in Jerusalem. And at the time, Nehemiah was a high-up official. He was in charge of serving the king's drinks, which was a very high-up position in those days. And uh, despite his high position, Nehemiah prayed for three months and waited for the exact right moment where he can approach the king when the king was in the right mood, when he was bringing him wine, and when he was, and when he was able to ask him. And when he approached the king, he again prayed to God and, and so on because of the incredible fear that, he, that, that um, was imposed upon him by the king's court and the king's presence. This was the paradigm of leadership in those days. In those days, a leader was one who exercised fear and power over others. Let us zip ahead to what we just studied in chapter 5, when the people, the common folk, especially the women, who in those days, unfortunately, as were very low down on the totem pole of the social hierarchy, and the general public, not the wealthy people, not the noblemen, approached Nehemiah and complained about the oppression. And Nehemiah listened to them. I want to th- you to think for a minute. Of course, Nehemiah was just a governor of a province in the empire. But Nehemiah mentioned in chapter 5 how the other governors would also lead in the same way that they were used to leaders leading. They had their goons and their bullies enforcing the taxes upon the people and they would take what they wanted when they wanted and that was the style of leadership that was understood and that was how leaders led in those days think for a moment how different Nehemiah was that the people the general public the men the women the poor the children were able to just openly present themselves to Nehemiah and talk to them about their concerns and then Nehemiah addressed them felt horrible about their concerns, and Nehemiah went to the nobles and demanded that they forgive their debts. The paradigm of leadership, the contrast between the style of leadership of Nehemiah and the style of leadership that was prevalent in those days, personified by the biggest leader of the day, Artaxerxes himself, could not possibly be more dramatic. The contrast between the two is so stark and so deeply teaches us what the Torah is trying to tell us about what a true leader is. A true leader is not someone who's unapproachable, not someone who leads by fear, but, how, but someone who leads 
by example, the way Nehemiah himself emphasized. He listened to the people, he listened to their concerns, he listened to the public. He heard what was wrong, he made solutions that were fair, that were just, that were kind, that were empathetic. And then he stated clearly and, show, and demonstrated how by example he was honest, he was transparent. He himself was a God-fearing person who did the right thing because it was the right thing to do. He didn't take advantage of others, didn't oppress others. This is an entirely new style of leadership in that world of those days that Nehemiah was demonstrating. And it just goes to, sh and, and, and the contrast with what they were used to is incredible. And it's something that really I wanted to mention before we moved on to chapter six. So we're about to start chapter six where we <laughs> go back to the, <clears throat> the uh, intrigue and the plots and the fighting between the enemies of the Jewish people and the Jewish people who are trying to build. At this point, the walls were, were built, but the gateways were, and the doors and the locks were not yet installed, so the city was not yet secure. But they were busy building it to bring it up to that point. So, Vayahi, and it was, Ka'asher nishma lesan balat v'tovio l'geshem arvi. When these three guys, uh, the three leaders of the, of the opposition, San Balat and Tovia and Geshem, who we mentioned many times already, Uliyasar Evenu and to the rest of our enemies, when they heard, Kivonisi at Ahoma, that I was successful in building the entire wall of Alonosarba parts, and there were no longer broken down parts of the wall. Kamado Esahi, and also even though by that point, Dilatot Lohemati Basharam had not yet installed the doors in the gateways. So the wall, it was not yet secure, but the wall itself was done. So they heard how far I had gotten and all of their making fun and all of their attempts at subversion had been unsuccessful. And the, when they heard that, So Sanvalat and Geshem sent me a message saying as follows, Come, let's meet together in one of the villages in um or Kfirim could mean in the place Kfirim, which is in the Valley of Ono, which is a far away place, a far flung place, uh, far to the west of Jerusalem. And Chemia says, and I knew very well that their plan was to kill me when I was out there defenseless and do away with me, and that would be the end of it. Clearly, they wanted to do me harm. There was no way I was going to. Uh, agree to this meeting. So I sent the messenger saying as follows, I'm in the middle of a big job. I'm working. I'm building. I can't go down there to meet you guys. Why, would, why should I go and allow the work to stop moving ahead because I decide to take a break and go down and meet you? Four times they attempted to lure me out from among the people that were protecting me and bring me to a place where I would be defenseless so that it could harm me. But I was smart enough to know <coughs> what they were trying to do, and so I answered them the same way each and every time. So after four attempts, they realized they're going to need to try something else in order to harm So they tried something even more devious and even more disgusting. 
So verse 5, Ayishlach Elai San Valat Kadavar Hazeb Pam Chamishisit Naro, for the fifth time, he sent his messenger the following message. And he had a letter, he had a written letter. So this was not just a verbal message. But when something is written down, and nowadays we write things all the time, in those days when you wrote something down, that like made it more serious, much more official sounding. And Kosovo, what was written in the letter as follows. And all the nations around it has been heard. And Gashmu, that is the same person as Geshem Arvi, one of the other guys that was working with the Sanbalat and the troublemakers. <laughs> he also says that he heard, Gashmu was the Arvi, he was the Arab who was the one who wandered around, you know, his people were wandered in the desert. They, they knew what was going on, they knew what people were saying, and this is what they're saying out there. You and all your, the Jews over there, you guys are, 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 are planning a rebellion against the king Artaxerxes. That's clearly why you're building up that wall. And you are planning on being their king. This is, these are the things that people are saying. That's the word on the street. That's the word out there. And not only that, the word is that you've even appointed yourself some prophets to stand near you, to call out in the streets regarding you, Yerushalayim and Jerusalem, Neymar, Melech Yehuda, there is a new king in Judea. And now you know this is going to be heard by the king. This ain't going to just hang around without any consequences, these types of things. And now let's come, let's make a plan let's do something let's figure out what to do because the wrath from the king is going to come down upon you clearly what his intent was was to tell Nehemiah this is the story that I am going to feed and tell to the king of course didn't fall for this trick and I sent to him an answer as follows this is simply not true no such thing had ever occurred this is this is a bunch of baloney. There's no such thing. I don't have any prophets declaring me king. I'm not trying to make you king. We're not planning any rebellions. I share out to Omer this thing that you say. And it's not even true that people are spreading such rumors. You're making these up in your own imagination. Because what they were trying to do, Nehemi says, was get, make us be afraid and... Uh, um, and 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 thinking and thinking to themselves, if we scare them, then they're gonna they're not gonna want to devote themselves to the work. They're gonna stop building. and the job will never get done. The walls will never be built. And now, he turns to God as Nehemiah always does. Please strengthen my hand. Help me against these enemies that are now trying very devious, sneaky tricks. So so then I went, and I went to the base, and it seems that Nehemiah at this point did not know if this person we're about to meet was truly on his side and was truly maybe a prophet of God. Remember, Ezra, who was here at this, it was, it was, who was living and practicing together at the same time as Nehemiah. We'll find Ezra is going to join the story a few chapters from now. Ezra, it, tradition has it that Ezra himself was a prophet of Malachi, but my, regardless, someone named Malachi was there. So there was a real prophet still around at this time. 
This was the end of the period of the prophets. So I went to the house of a person who claimed to be a prophet. It was a person based the house of a person by the name of Shemaya ben Deloya ben Mehetavel. And he was locked up. Um, it would seem that well, maybe this, this locking up was some kind of a ruse on the part of, of the enemies to, 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 to have him appear to be a prophet of, a true prophet of God so that Nehemiah might believe what he has to say. And this guy had a real sneaky trick up his bag by Yomer and he said to me, Nivo Eid, let's get together just me and you. El Beito Elohim, in the temple, in the house of God, El Tocha Echel, within the holy portion of the temple. Venizkirod El Tota Echel, it's locked the doors behind us. Kiboim Lohargecha, because I know they're coming to kill you. So Shemaya is acting as if he's trying to protect Nehemiah, and he's telling Nehemiah, come, let's hide in the Echel, because that's the only place where there are doors that can be locked. It's a strong place. We'll lock the doors behind us. They're coming tonight to kill you. Now think about this for a minute. Nehemiah hears this and he thinks to himself, what is he telling me to do? To go into the Heichal? Remember, Nehemiah is not a Kohen. He's not a priest. He's not allowed to go into the Heichal. No one's allowed to go into the Heichal. And besides, is the Heichal... Is the, is, the, is the holy portion of the temple, is that a place where one should go to seek refuge? And practically speaking, if it was Nehemiah and this Shemaiah alone stuck in there, would that make him more or less vulnerable? If he used the temple as a refuge for himself in such a selfish way, what would the people think of him? But even more so, that would make him so much more vulnerable to attack. He'd be isolated, he won't be protected, any moment they could come destroy the Heichal and kill the Chemia. For Omra and I said, Ha'ish Kamoni Yivrach, should a man like me run? I'm going to run in fear and hide, Nechemia says to Shemaya. This is what I'm going to do. Umi Chamoni, and how could it be that someone like me, Asher that can go into the holy part of the, of the temple and I should live? In other words, you think, number one, I'm not allowed to go in there, I'm not a priest. And maybe one might claim that if it's a matter of life and death, maybe I'm allowed to. But do you think I'm going to go in there and live? Lo avo, no, I'm not going in there. That's not a plan. And then Nehemiah thought to himself and he realized, wait a minute. Va'akira, and I recognized and I realized, says Nehemiah, vihine lo Elohim shalachol. This is not a real prophet. He wasn't sent by God. Kianavua dibera lai. Because that nevuah, that prophecy, and that's prophecy in quotes, that baloney prophecy, Diberlai that he spoke to me, Vitovia Visan Valat clearly this prophecy was be only stead because he was in the pay of Tovia and Sambalat, the troublemakers. They paid him off to say this. They set me up. They paid him off, sent me in there, and tried to convince him to isolate me in the Heichal to make me unpopular with the people, number one, to make me do a sin, number two, but most importantly, to put me in a vulnerable situation where I could be killed. Leman Sachorhu, because he has been hired out by the enemy. Leman Ira, and the purpose of this is so that I should be afraid, make me scared, and that I will do what he asks, then I would be doing a sin. And then they would have, can go around spreading a story, look at Nehemiah running around in the holy place, making me unpopular in front of the people, in order that they can 
can say bad things about me, say what a terrible person I am, what kind of a person I am, and make me unpopular among the people. This was their plan. They were trying to hire the Shemaya. The Shemaya is not a real prophet. He is a false prophet. So then Nehemiah turns to God and says in verse 14, Zohra Elohai Litovia Ulusan Valat Kemasov Eila God. My God, remember what Tovia and Sanvalat are doing, the way they are acting. There's also another false prophetess, a woman who's walking around saying prophecies that are also harming me and harming my mission to rebuild Yerushalayim. Yes, Hanaviyah, and the other prophets running around. All these prophets running around that are saying all these things, they're making trouble, Asher. They're trying to say these things because they want to make me afraid. They want to make me scared. They want to make me doubt myself. They want to make me doubt myself. I ignored them and I continued my job, which was to build the walls of Jerusalem. And the walls were completed on the 25th day of the month of Elul. After 52 days of working on the walls, we completed them, meaning that I completed the doors, everything. The city was now secure because I did not allow them to weaken me and stop me from my work. And it was, it happened, when all of our enemies heard the news. This is verse 16. All of the nations that were around us were now afraid. Now they knew that we had protected the temple, we had protected the city, we had protected the population of the city. Now they knew we were going to be strong, we're here to stay, and that's it. And they were very depressed about, in their, about their own situation, they saw themselves as being weak in front of us. And then they also knew and they understood that the only way this could possibly have happened is it is because of our God that that this work was done and they realized that their false and mistaken beliefs in their false gods and their pagan gods was clearly wrong their way of life was wrong they had to question that and they had to realize that our belief and our God was the one who gave us the strength and power to be successful in this project says in those days it wasn't only Shmaya and this Noadja, the, the prophetess and the, all these other people making trouble but there's Marbim Chorei Yehudei Groseyam there were many of the people in charge the Chorei is a word for a noble a nobleman the nobleman of the Judeans of the Jewish people remember when he brought the, 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 the wealthy people together they were called the Chorim they were writing letters back and forth, secretly communicating with the enemy. They were going to Tovia, and Tovia was communicating with them. So among my people, there were many spies that were, uh, were working with the enemy. Many people among the Judeans had, had, had our, were, were confederates of his. They were in his camp. They were together with the enemy. Because Tovia um, was, was an Ammoni. The Ammoni are very ethnically and linguistically and culturally closely related to, the, um, to Yehuda, to the Judeans. They had a very similar language for similar cultures and customs. And he may even have had some sort of a conversion. I don't know if it would be a formal one, but some sort of a... a, a, a uh, persona of being part of the Jewish people because 
they had Kichatanu Shechani ben Arach. He was the son-in-law of, of one of the prominent Judeans, Shechani ben Arach, that they were intermarried together, Vihochanan beno, and Yochanan beno, his son, the son of Tuvia, Lokach had bat Meshulam ben Berechia, had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechia. So they were married in, there was a lot of connections between the enemy and the people in Judea, so I really had to keep my guard up. Gam tov osav and they would come to me and try to convince me that Tovia was a great guy, he really wants to help, he really wants to do good stuff, but I knew and they would also, when I had secrets to tell, I had to be really careful because they would bring my plans out to him, to Tovia, so I really had to watch my back. Igros sholach Tovia liareni, and Tovia would constantly be sending all kinds of letters to them in order to make me afraid, to weaken me, to scare me away from my project of rebuilding Yerushalayim. This was a situation that Nehemiah, not only in, 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 in five we learned what type of leader Nehemiah was, how he related to the people, we learned about his sense of justice, his sense of social justice. In this chapter we learn about how smart Nehemiah was in terms of being able to um, navigate the extremely difficult politics of the time and the backstabbing and so on. Once again, these lessons are so, so relevant to pretty much any time in history, certainly our times as well. Thank you so much for studying Nehemiah chapter 6 together with me. Looking forward to studying chapter 7 and of course the rest of this beautiful book of Nehemiah.